But turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, and we're going to look at verse 22. The Bible says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David my son, praise God, David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you through your word. We see that David was a man after your own heart. So if we study David, we'll also know your heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that's a powerful word from God about King David. He removed Saul. Saul, we know the story, was disobedient to God, um, wasn't following him with his whole heart, removed him and established David. He chose David out of all of his brothers. Jesse brought the brothers to the prophet and... uh, Praise God, Samuel anointed David to be king. David spent much time out in the pasture as a shepherd, watching over the flock. There he wrote a lot of the Psalms and just meditating on on God and getting to know him. We know he became strong in in faith and the power of God. He defeated the, the lion and the bear, you know, that were attacking the sheep. This gave him strength and gave him You know, kind of a past history with God, knowing God's there when it came time to fight the Philistine giant. You know, David, hey, I defeated the lion and the bear because God's with me. I'll defeat this guy too because the Lord is with me. Amen? As, uh, As we said this morning, the battle is not mine but the Lord's. David went on. But, you know, he was a man and uh, he had faults. He was a man that, even though it says he was a man after God's own heart, he committed many sins. And we see also in his story, he committed the sin as he became king, used his power and authority as king to call a, a woman that he saw and lusted for into with him and ended up being sleeping with her, committed the sin of adultery, and then sent her husband away in a battle to be killed to cover up his adultery. You know, and so he committed some mighty sins of um of adultery and then murder to cover it up. And yet God says this about him. He's a man after mine own heart. You know, even though he was weak in the flesh and struggled in these areas, yet God loved him and was, God looks, was looking at the heart there. Okay? Well, there's something about what is this? I call this message the secret of David. The secret of David. And, um, you know, for many years in, in hearing this about David's a man after God's own heart, what's this about? We thought and we heard it preached, and I believe Ivy and preached it years ago. The reason David was a man after God's own heart, because he had a contrite heart. You know, Lord, you know, restore unto me a clean heart. You know, cast me not away from your side. He was a humble man and he admitted and repented of his sin. Even to the point, you know, he was stretched out when the baby, hey, Jesus hadn't come yet to die for the sin, so there was judgment there, and the baby was going to die because of it, and did. You know, and and David was pleading and crying out, and we know he had a repented heart. And we know that God says, I am, um, 
I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble, those who have a humble heart. It kind of takes us finally acknowledging our fault and our failure and our problem to be able to get right with God. Amen? When we're resisting Him, proud, hey, no one's telling me what to do. You can't make me do this or do that. I'm going to do my own way. I'm going to be my own man. Hey, God resists you. But when you finally come to the point and say, Lord God, it's me. I'm the one with the problem. It's me on the inside. Lord, I need you. Help me. When you humble yourself, He's with you. Amen? So many times I would think maybe it's because of David's contrite heart that this is why he's a man after God's own heart. Because of his humility, his willingness to repent of his sin. But then, praise God, uh, several years back, you know, when I first got the book, Destined to Reign, which I call River of Life 101 by Joseph Prince, and one of the chapters was on the secret of David. I pray that most in here have read it. It is River of Life 101. I encourage each and every one of you to read it. He showed me from a different angle. And I believe, and I've been preaching that about once a year ever since. And I want to share this with you, knowing the meaning of what is the heart of David, which is also the heart of God. Well, he gives us a clear insight to it right here in Acts chapter 13. Praise God, right in this next line. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And because he has a heart for God and a heart of God, he will do everything I want him to do. So his heart is right with God and he wants to do what God is having him to do. Praise the Lord. And then when we look at what he did, we can see the heart of God. We can see what it was that David was after and what was he willing to do that is the will and the heart of God. Turn with me from Acts 13.22 and go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Deep in the New Testament, Hebrews, then James, then Peter. If you get there, you can just flip back to find Hebrews. Go to chapter 10, and we're going to look starting at verse 5. Hebrews 10.5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said... Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Verse 6, with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will. Okay, so he's, in Hebrews he's quoting from the Psalms here. Jesus is saying it wasn't about all of those rituals and sacrifices of the Old Testament. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. He said, really, in essence of the big picture, Jesus is saying, sacrifice and offerings you never really desired. Yet, you commanded us to do it. Interesting. Wow. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Verse 8, he's explaining this. Paul is explaining this. He says, first he said, sacrifice and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, then in parentheses, although the, the law required them. That's an interesting statement. The law required them to be made. 
The law required for whatever sin you did, you had to bring a specific sacrifice. If you wanted to give to God and offer Him thanksgiving, you had to bring different thanksgiving offerings, different types of offerings for different days. You had to bring these offerings, and the law required it, even though it says in the big picture of the heart of God, He never really desired any of it. That's quite interesting. Okay? Then He said, verse 9, here I am, I have come to do your will. Jesus comes to do the complete and perfect will of God, which all of these other things in the Old Testament were really only a type and shadow pointing us to the real thing. Are you with me? Jesus comes to do the will of God, to walk with God, not just to, you know offer the sacrifice to make up for all the things that weren't done or not done right, Jesus comes in all of his life to do the will of God and walk with him each and every day. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. He sets aside the first to establish the second. He sets aside the way the offerings were done in the Old Covenant First, and he establishes the second, and verse 10 says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus said, I have come to do your will. Now link this with what I said in Acts 13, that the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He will do everything I command him. So David is a man after the heart of God to do what God wants him to do. Jesus comes, praise the Lord. I have come not about the other sacrifice. I have come to give my life to do your will. Okay, folks, now we're getting a little bit deeper to understanding the very will and heart of God. Okay? David is a man after God's own heart. David's going to do everything God wants him to do. Jesus comes to do the will of God. Now, if we understand the heart of David, we'll know to understand the heart of God in this matter. So it's a secret of David. He reveals us things to us in mysteries. And the Holy Spirit, through his word, shows us the mysteries of God. The very will and the very heart of God by looking at the life of David. Praise the Lord. You know... The new covenant, the old covenant, it says don't do this and do this, don't do this, do that, you know, and it's all about what we do and don't do. New covenant in Hebrews, praise the Lord, he tells us, you know, it's, it's I will. Let's look at that. Go to flip back a page to Hebrews chapter 8. Amen. Hebrews 8 verse 7, for if there had been nothing wrong... With that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. Okay? So the Bible's saying there was something wrong with the first covenant. You see that? Okay? But God found fault with the people. Really, the fault with the first covenant wasn't the covenant or God. It was the people couldn't keep it. Okay? The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. 
Now here's about the new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I want you to notice in that last paragraph how many times he says, I will. Verse 10, I will, I will, I will. Verse 12, I will forgive. So praise God, the, the old covenant is about... You do this, you don't do that, you do this. And the new covenant says, hey, Jesus says, I will do it. And they will enter into this through what I have done. Not up to you to keep and obey. And this actually, praise God, man didn't and fell. Jesus obeyed it and we get the blessing for what he has done. And then when we receive that, he writes his law. He writes his word, his truth on our heart. And then we become transformed because now his will is in our heart. It changes us. See, my will right now, praise God, my will is only to bless you, brother. I want to bless you, God. Hallelujah. Somebody texted me last night and said, man, y'all got more kids coming to that house? So you won your case. You got kids coming? You got already got twins and you needed some beds or something. Hey, Brother Dave, we want to do this. You know, what, is your, what do you want? I will to bless them. Help them get the bed they need for this or that or whatever. Praise God. We want to bless. What, what is I will? My heart is changed. I don't want to, you know, um, um, you know, kill you for your sin or make sure you go to jail for life. I will that you be blessed, that you be free from your addiction, that you receive the blessing of God. I will to bless you. Because he put, he said, I will give them a new heart and put my will in their heart. So I've been transformed to love you, and it's not something I had to work up and, you know, try so hard to love you. It's my heart has changed because the will of Jesus Christ and what he has done has changed me. And now it is my will to do God's will because Christ lives in me. So the new covenant is not about striving to follow this rule and that and not do this and not do No, the new covenant is I want to do right and want to bless because his will's on my heart. And he did it. He did it. We didn't do it. He's the one that did this for us. You want to help people. You want to bless them. You want to do good to others. Why? Because his will. Because he wants to. And he lives in you. So David, in Acts 13, it says, David was a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And Jesus comes and says, here's the new covenant. Not my will, but yours be done. I will do what you want. Now let's look closer and let's see what God wants. I'm taking you somewhere here. Okay? I believe it's going to be Revelation for you to understand the heart of God even more. Praise God. Now, go with me to Psalm, the Psalms, and go to Psalm, let's see, 132. Psalm 132. Here's where you discover 
the secret of David. He has a heart. He's a man after God's own heart. And he wants to do everything God wants him to do. So what is it? Here's the secret. It's in Psalm 132. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Oh Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. He swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the Mighty One of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids. Verse 5. Till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Wow. Folks, we're going to explain that. That's it. This is the secret of David. His whole passion in life, he didn't want to sleep, didn't want to rest, till this thing, the will of God, gets done, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. Let me explain. Praise God. He says, we have heard it in Ephratah. We came upon it in the fields of Jair. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. <clears throat> Folks, we must understand this and see what David did in the Old Testament to understand the heart of God for the new covenant right now. To understand the secret of David. What was it that gave him uh, uh, to where the Lord said about him, he's a man after my own heart. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deep in the Old Testament now. And I pray you will follow along with me. Look at these verses too. So this is something that you can receive today and have forever. In Deuteronomy, God's given, him, given them the... the for his covenant people, the Jews that have come out of Egypt, that are, you know, going to the promised land. The land promised uh, to them. Land promised God gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's a covenant. I want you to see the Old Testament is this. It's a covenant people God chose out of the world to be his people. Amen? In the Old Covenant, this was one nation, Israel. He chose them out to be his people, to go to the land that's promised to them. And in chapter 12, it's talking about the one place of worship. I'm going to take you out of the world, Abraham. Go to the land I'm going to show you. They did. Then, hey, they were scattered 400 years. They're, they're in bondage in Egypt. Now they're coming out, and all the tribes are going back, what? To the land promised. They're going to the promised land. And when they get there, they have to wipe out the enemies of all the people that aren't God's people all around and establish the kingdom of God there on earth, praise God. And then he says, when you get there, there, there's going to be one place, a special holy place, that I want you to come and worship me. I'm, there's a place, and he didn't name it yet. He didn't tell them where it is. He says, when you get there, I want to establish this place where you're going to bring all of the Old Testament sacrifices, where you're going to come to me and celebrate the Feast of Israel, where you're going to come to this holy place. I'm going to put my name there, and where you come and ask your blessing, I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to keep you there. This is going to be the holy place on all the earth. Okay? I want, I'm going to name, I'm going to have this place and then I'm going to show you what it is and I'm going to name it and it's going to be a place. And folks, I want you to know that that place has been center of world news ever, for ever history ever since. 
And the place I'm talking about in the promised land is Jerusalem. Now, praise God, it goes on to say, verse 4, chapter 12, verse 4, you must not worship the Lord, your God, in their way, the people around you, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. He's going to dwell there, his presence there. He's going to bless you there. To that place you must go. There you bring your offerings. And then he lists all of that, praise God. In verse 11, then to that place the Lord God will choose a dwelling for his name. A dwelling for his name. When we talk about his name, we talk about him, his presence, who he is. A dwelling for him. Remember, David said in the Psalms, I'm not going to let my eyes sleep. I'm not going to slumber until this thing, that is your will that's in my heart, that I will do it. I'm going to find that place of resting for you, Lord, a place where you will dwell. Hang with me. Okay? It's going to make sense to you. It's going to get better. Amen? Right now, I'm giving you an Old Testament type and shadow for something that's much deeper in the new. Okay, so he has this place in mind that he's going to establish as the worship place for his people to come. He's establishing the promised land, bringing them out of all the world to him to be his people. He's going to fight their battles. They're going to go into these battles with the world all around the world. It might look like the battles numbers are outrageous, but the battle belongs to the Lord. These are his people. He's going to bless them. He's going to bring them to the promised land. He's going to establish them as a holy nation, and he's going to set up a place where he He's going to dwell among his people and he's going to bless them there and they're going to bring their worship and they're going to bring their sacrifice and they're going to bring everything there to this place and no other. As a matter of fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see where they tried to set up, you know, um, some tribes thought it was too far. Or this, or that. They tried to set up worship places here, there and the other and establish that. And man, it didn't work. OK, God said, I'm going to establish a place. You'll be able to do some other things in some of those places, but there's times of these feasts. I want you to come to this place, this special place. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So there in chapter 12, we see verse 13 and 14 of chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. It says, be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only at the place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, and there observe everything I command. In verse 18, instead you are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. He hasn't told them where it is yet. He says, trust me, you're going to go there, you're going to start, and I'm going to choose a place, and that's where we're going to do these things. Chapter 12, verse 21. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far away from you, you may slaughter animals from the herds and flocks the Lord has given you. I commanded you in your own towns and eat them. Eat them, uh, the gazelle, the deer, but be sure do not eat the blood. Then he gives them, but then it gets to verse 26. But take your consecrated things and whatever you have vowed to give to the place the Lord your God will choose. There's some elements of worship you'll do here and there, but I want to tell you, this is the place where I'm going to dwell, and this is the place where Israel will meet with me. Are you with me? We're establishing that, fa that fact, that Old Testament, God had a place. And I want to just describe this to you briefly now. Let me share. In the wilderness, as they're traveling out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land, God began to set up a model 
of the temple he's going to build in the promised land. It was the tabernacle in the wilderness. I talked about it many times. They set up this tabernacle. Outside there's a holy place. And then inside there's a holy of holies, a most holy place. Behind that curtain is the most holy object in, in all the world. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant went the book of the law and the jar of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. It was covered with the mercy seat. And there, only there, the high priest, Moses at the time, praise God for them in the wilderness, could go in and Moses could speak with God. God would meet with them at that specific place. The presence of God was over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was so glorious, they could see the fire by night, they could see the cloud uh, by day, and when the cloud lifted and moved, they all packed up their tents and they moved with it, and when the cloud settled, they settled. And they might camp in a spot for three months, six months, three years, whatever, and they continued. But now they're getting to the promised land, and it doesn't have to be a temporary shelter that's moving from place to place. Now it's time to build a temple and put the real, the Ark of the Covenant in the holy place of the temple. Amen. Are you with me? So they traveled for all these years with a makeshift tabernacle, now they get to the promised land and they set up the tabernacle at a place called Shiloh and there it was until they hear from God at the place where they're going to build the temple. Are you with me? Everybody following along now. Praise God. So this is the, the big picture and understanding. David's heart as king was, man, I can't sleep until I take this ark that's in a tent in Shiloh and one day, build a temple for it. That was in his heart. And praise God, I want to explain, that is the heart of God. Why? We shall see. Amen. So David's heart was not to sleep, not to slumber, until finally, this Ark of the Covenant that he'd heard about all his life, that he was very familiar with now, that was at the place of Shiloh. It's going to be time. And man, before he died, he was setting out, setting up Solomon. He ordered things to be brought in. He ordered the kings around the nations to bring things. He was getting it ready. He said, look, I'm older now. God showed me I'm not the one to build it, but my son's going to build it. And praise God. He said, hey, my hands were too bloody in all the wars I was in. I'm raising up a man of peace who's going to build it. Solomon, your son's going to build it. But really, praise the Lord. Spiritually speaking, he wasn't talking about his son Solomon. He was talking about his future line in the spirit. He was talking about his son Jesus. <laughs> Solomon did build that temple. In church, it was a glorious temple on Mount Zion in the city of Jerusalem. And they built that big, beautiful temple. And they put the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And they brought all the sacrifices from all the 12 tribes of all the, the surrounding tribes of Israel to bring. And they had a glorious celebration. And you can read about it, praise God. And it was the most glorious celebration, the most beautiful building in all the world at the time. There was peace on every side in Solomon's day. There was no more uh, battles of enemies coming in. It was a picture and type of heaven. For 40 years, they had perfect peace. And Solomon prayed, ruled and Rain, the wealthiest uh, and most knowledgeable man in all the earth. People from all around came to him to seek his wisdom. It's a picture of God, and it's a picture of heaven. 
And this temple was glorious. And behind the curtain of the Holy of Holies sat the Ark of the Covenant. And the glory of God came upon that temple between the cherubim of the Ark and was so glorious that when all the priests gathered together, all the sacrifices, they couldn't even do their work. Everybody just kind of fell out and began to worship because the glory was so big they couldn't do anything. Okay? So God set up this place at a place He chose in the city of Jerusalem, on Mount Zion, that city's still there. That temple mount is still there. Clay and I saw it just five years, seven years ago now. And there we were, and we saw it, and it's there, praise God, and the glory came down. But see, even in that, even in that, what is this heart of God? Well, you know, if you follow the story along, you'll see... The, the ark was at Shiloh. The Jews went into some battles. And they were losing some battles because the priesthood was corrupt. And they weren't obeying God. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were messed up. And now they're losing this battle. And the commanders of the army said, Man, go get the ark. And we'll take God into battle with us. You know, he's always won all the other wars for us. But their heart wasn't right with God. So they went through the motions of go and get the ark, bringing it into the battle. And you know what happened? The Philistines kicked their tail and stole the ark and captured it. News came back. News came back to Eli. And uh, the wife of one of them was having a baby. Eli fell backwards dead when he heard that the ark was taken that Hophni and Phinehas, the sons, were killed, and the wife of one of them having a baby. She died giving birth, and she named the baby Ichabod, meaning no more glory. The glory has departed from Israel. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant, where God dwelt with Israel, had, had been captured. Well, for years, the Philistines had the Ark, and they passed it around. But man, they weren't God's holy people. They couldn't handle the presence of God. And things started happening to them. People started dying. Man, they tried, to set up, they tried to set up the Ark of the Covenant in one of their temples to their false god, Dagon. And they had this false god statue up there. And you know what happened? They went in the next day, and that god had fallen over and cracked. They stood him back up and tried it again. The next day, bam, he fell over again. No other God can stand before the Holy One, Jehovah. And yet they were trying to use this God as one of their gods, but they weren't God's covenant people. Man, the next town that went... So they shipped it out to the next town. That town broke out with a bunch of, of, uh, of tumors all over them. And they kept shipping it out. And finally, they sent it back to, toward Israel. They sent it back. Israel took it in. But you know what? Man, it was a little bit dangerous too because God's holy. And Jesus hadn't come yet to make us holy. And at one time, they started bringing it in on a cart, and the guy touched it. Man, and he died. And David, David said, it's my heart. Lord, what's happening? I want to bring your presence to Jerusalem to be in the temple. My heart, listen now, here's the heart of God. The heart of David was for God to dwell with his people. <laughs> Folks, this is it. The secret of David. David is a man after God's own heart. What is God's heart? He wants to dwell with you. He wants to live among you so he can bless you. 
He wants to forgive your sin and bring you close to him and remember your sin no more so you can walk in his blessing. This is the heart of David. He wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the midst of the people. And so he's trying and now this guy dies. They stop at another town and all the people came out to look at the ark. Man, we've heard about this thing all our life. And they, look, and they open it. Remind me of the movie, Raiders. They open it. And when they do, a bunch of them die. Why? Because inside of the ark is the sins of the people. And it's covered with God's mercy. And the blood is applied. Folks, when God forgives somebody, don't keep going back and looking at their past. When you're forgiven... Don't go under the blood, lift up the atonement cover, and look into someone's past sin. God says, I will remember your sin no more. And he covered it and sealed it and put the blood over it. And they looked in and they died. So now David's in a dilemma. Wow, God. It's been my heart all my life to bring your ark to the temple in the midst of the people. I'm having my son, when I die, build the big temple and we're going to put this ark. I want to bring the ark to the city of Jerusalem where your people dwell. And every time I try, it's not working. So man, he goes back to the scriptures and he sees how to rightly carry in the ark. And praise God, only the priests could carry it. They had to be holy. They had to be consecrated unto the Lord. And they had to bring it with worship and praise. And David sets up and he goes, get that. That ark had been at this certain house for a while because David was afraid to touch it. And it's been at that house. But everywhere in that house, everything was blessed. So David said, it's time. I've got to try again. So he goes, gets the ark, and he brings all the praisers. And he brings the worship team. And he brings all of Israel. And they start going out there. And every few steps, praise God, they stop and start playing a song and dancing. Some of you guys didn't want to do the turnaround this morning. Bet you'll do it next time we sing the song. Here's why. David took off his kingly robe and started dancing. He was worshiping his God. He's finally coming to this city to dwell in the people. And... His wife, Mikhail, was looking from the window and she's like, wow, he took off his kingly robes and all these slave girls are looking at him. And she despised it in his heart. And David said, look, if you despise that, I'm going to dance even more. Folks, don't despise people who are spinning around. You don't know what God has done for them. Don't despise the worship of someone else. You don't know where they've been and what God has done for them. Hello. Amen. You might just want to get happy and spin around yourself a few times. So David began to dance, and they brought the ark into its rightful place. And praise God, Solomon built that temple and set up the ark in the Holy of Holies. And the presence of God came down so thick, and it blessed, and they had peace on every side, and the nation was blessed from all their enemies. But in the Old Testament... It didn't last, and it couldn't last, because it wasn't the real thing. It was only a picture of what was coming. Jesus came, and he took his blood, and he who knew no sin, he became our sin, and he put it in the ark of his body. He took your sin and put it in his ark, the ark of his body, and he covered your sin with his blood, and then he took his blood... 
On the third day, He rose again and He presented the blood at the real tabernacle in heaven over the Ark of the Covenant. Hallelujah. And it cleansed us once and for all. And the veil of the temple that Solomon built, well, that was knocked down that Herod built later, was rent from top to bottom. Now, all who want to be in the presence of God and live with Him and dwell with Him have to come through the veil of Jesus, believing in Him. And praise God, now I live behind the veil. Church, the secret of David is the, he had God's own heart. The heart of God is to dwell with you. This is the heart of God. You understand the secret of David? You can know the heart of God. The heart of God is to remove any barrier where you couldn't live him. That barrier was sin. Jesus died for your sin. That if you believe in him, your sins are washed. You're no longer unclean. You see, the problem is not sin anymore. Why are so many preachers always talking about sin? Sin is not the problem anymore. The problem is to get the people to believe in the answer to the sin is Jesus. Jesus solved the problem of sin once and for all when he died on the cross for the sin of the world. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. Now all who believe can come through him to the presence of God. And now sinful man is no longer sinful when we accept Christ. And we can live with holy God and holy God can live with you. Amen. The heart of David is the heart of God. He wants to dwell with you forever. And he made a way while we're yet sinners. He died for us that he can live with us. Thank you, Lord, that we have entered into this special covenant with you. That Jesus made a way that you can dwell with us. Lord, your heart is being fulfilled. Lord, it's not just the nation of Israel, but your heart is to dwell with the people of all the world. Lord, through Christ, you're bringing people from all the world into a right relationship with you that you can dwell with us and among us. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, we recognize your presence in us. Let us walk out of this building knowing you're with us. Father, I pray right now, if anybody does not understand this truth before today, and now they see the revelation of what you want, and Lord God, you're inviting them too to also dwell with them. Lord, I pray that they will seek you. Lord, that they will receive you. That they will say, yes, I believe. I've been away from you, God. But by what Jesus has done right now, I receive it, and I want to enter into this relationship with you. Praise God, if you believe that, you can begin to follow him. Get involved in a Bible-believing church, this one or one like it, and begin to read and understand and grow in your faith. Christ loves you and he welcomes you into his family.